Hi, you're watching Open Bar on Tequila Aficionado Media on all of our platforms. I'm Mike Morales here in San Antonio. That young man over there sitting on that side, his name is? Romeo Cristo. And Romeo, you, um, you've been really, really nice. You, you have been sending us certain types of glassware. Tell everybody what the name of your business is, first of all. I have a small business uh, in Austin, Texas, for uh, artisanal glasses for tequila and mezcal. The name of the business is Chishon Trail Crabs Glasses. It's a little bit longer, but I still love it. You can you can find Chisholm Trail Craft Glasses if you're following us on any of our social media. He has a, a beautiful gallery uh, on his website and also on Instagram, so you can get a hold of him. You. Some of you who have been watching our Sipping Off the Cuff programs may have seen us, uh, myself and Rick Levy, using these particular prototypes. What you're looking at here in my hands, they're a little dirty, sorry about that, because I had to use them. Um, these are prototypes uh, that Romeo has been working closely with uh, Stossel Glassware. Stossel has a, a famous glass company they, I believe their office is back east in the United States, uh, uh, Pennsylvania perhaps. And um, anyway, these are for possibly tasting agave spirits, primarily mezcal and tequila, or tequila and mezcal. And so um, Romeo reached out to us and, and asked if, if we, would, we were amenable to testing glassware uh, for for that, and we said sure, because if for anybody who's watched us on on previous sipping off the cuffs, we've discussed uh, the different types of glassware, the Riedel glassware, glassware care, Glen Cairn. We we have a, a whole open bar with Martin Duffy, who um, who was nice enough to supply us with Glen Cairns. He he is the the representative for Glen Cairn in the United States, Glen Cairn glassware, and and so we said sure, and and. I got to tell you, we we have uh, we've made no bones about it. We think that, that tequila has outpaced the Riedel glass, and that it's the and because of the craft um, craft cocktails and and the craft movement in general, from craft beers all the way to craft tequilas, that the the quality of tequila and, and agave spirits has outpaced the Riedel glassware, and so. In an effort to find something that would that was um, uh, more uh, uh, that we were we were able to judge better uh, agave spirits with, we we said sure, and Romeo sent us a couple of samples, and we've been having fun with it ever since. So you, those of you who are watching our shows are sipping off the cups, you'll see these glasses, and and Rick has completely just between you and me, Rick has completely gotten almost gotten rid of every Riedel. Number one, because they break. I mean, stemware just breaks, and they're they're hard to keep in one piece. But uh, he's he's fallen in love with the Glen Cairns. Alex Perez, our founder, has has just loves these glasses now, and so um, just by that, by by those of us who love agave spirits and tequila, we're merging away from stemware in order for us to find something better. And so that's where Romeo comes in. But tell everybody, I want to know more about your background. How did you wind up doing glassware? Like, why glassware? Why Austin? <laughs> you know? Well, uh, 
my interest first of all in the agave spirits and after that in the drink where for agave spirits started in a bit unusual way um, I started my study in archaeology and anthropology in Mexico in 1990 my bachelor degree actually oh, okay. and, uh, the topic of research that brought me in Mexico was the mixture of the cultures of the old world and Mesoamerica, or Pre-Columbia, Mexico. Mm -hmm. And one of my former professors in the university called my attention that the tequila is one of the earliest examples for such a cultural fusion of the new and the old world cultures in the early colonial period. Uh, practically all the historians of the tequila coincide that the tequila started to be distilled between some part 1530 and 1550. Mm -hmm. And uh, actually, by one hand, we have the tradition of the pre pulque, which was a sacred drink, not what we call today recreational. Yes. But a sacred drink. And by other hand, we have the tradition of the alum drink and the distillation that the Spaniards learned, learned from the Arabs and brought to the new world. When these two traditions come together, the tequila was born, but actually there is much deeper meaning about this process. That's the same process from which the modern Mexican nation was born and pretty much in the same period, the mid-16th century, when the first generation of Mestiz or the modern Mexican nation also come into existence. So the cultural, the historical background of the tequila is very deep, very unique for for any other spirit that I can think for comparison. It's something very special. Of course, uh, I should be hypocrite to say that I don't like the taste of the spirit. I love it, but <laughs> I think uh, for the tequila become a real fascination when these two things come together. This unique, fascinating cultural, historical background and a spirit that have a unique, very special quality that it's all too. Well, um, so you're originally from from Europe, correct? Yes. What what uh, did you grow up in Mexico? Was that was it? I in Mexico was when I was 26 years old, and I come specifically to to study that I was interested in the Mexican archaeology and history. Yeah, so that was that was natural. I I remember speaking with you uh, previously, and you mentioned to me that, uh, and and I did some research on this also uh, briefly yesterday. I was I was writing notes um, for uh, official notes for this glassware for the, to uh, submit to Romeo, and I you told me, and I discovered also that that stemware, the stem of a, of a of a of a vessel, or or a a, um, uh, a handle are European inventions. Uh, when I say European, I, I, the information that I found was uh, the the was in England. Um, I guess where where glassware uh, was it was where it was commercialized primarily in England. Although I think the Chinese invented everything. So. Um, you know the Chinese were exporting into tea into uh, tea vessels into England, 
um, because they were more proud of their porcelain. At least that's the information that I had found out. In any case, um, when, when I did a search for Mesoamerican vessels, uh, it was interesting. I, I Googled it and, it, and there was a, a Pinterest board that came up, several Pinterest boards, that these were vessels that were discovered in archaeological digs in, in, in Mexico, Mesoamerica, you know, all of it. And not one of them had a handle. You know, they had the etchings and the, 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 uh, the pictographs that meant something, you know, because the, the vessels were, not only was the liquid they were drinking ceremonial, matter of fact, chocolate. The, the vessels had chocolate in them, but not one of those vessels had a handle. And so I'm thinking to myself, you know, Romeo was right. That, that the, you know, for a Mexican spirit, it is actually more historically accurate to hold it in your hand. And, and I made mention in my notes that it, this allows the, the imbiber to be more intimate with his or her liquid. I, I don't know if you agree with me or not, but it was interesting to find all those relics that, that are in museums now, and not one of them had a handle. Not 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 any of them. That's a complex topic, um, and there can be different perspectives, different personal preferences, different justification. Uh, personally. As far as I know, the history of the drinkware for the agave spirits, this is the history of the stemless drinkware, starting from the jicara mezcalero, or the, the girt for drinking mezcal, going through the drinking jar, ending up with the little horn for drinking tequila, sabain right. for the shot glass, or the vaso veladora for mezcal. All that stuff is basically a stemless drinking well for me is uh, you know drinking any spirit is including agave spirit is kind of sensorial experience that involves at least three major senses the sense of taste smell and tact and uh, for the more, more sophisticated and more expensive spirit it's very important quality is the nosing quality obviously but there is a sense also besides of this practical side of the inner connection between the spirit and the the drink the drinking vessel. I'll give you an example. I'm personally familiar with at least two drinking vessels for Scotch whisky, which are better than the Glencairn. Uh, none of them selling the amount that Glencairn sell and. Yeah. From this perspective, the reason for that is a very unique, very intimate connection between the Glencairn and the Scotch whisky, and whisky in general. This is a category that is a little bit abstract, but it's very, very real. This almost spiritual inner, inner connection, sharing of the legacy between the spirit and the drinking vessel. And I believe. This particular quality was better summarized by uh, best summarized by Richard Patterson for introducing the Glencairn glass. He showed to the public and say that when you hold the Glencairn glass, you don't think about wine; you think about Scotch whisky. 
Now, in the same way how the Gauss fields are unique for Mexico, there is a unique and very old and surprisingly functional drinking vessel for the Gauss field, the drinking jar. Actually, the colonial version of the drinking jar, show one example here, come almost with handle. The pre-Columbian versions come both with and without handle, and uh, the use for of the harit or the drinking jar for alcoholic beverages from agave is very well documented at least to the 14th century AD with the use of the pulque, the predecessors, the predecessor of the tequila. However, uh, there is a new archaeological research that is just started to be published that uh, the harit, especially the version without handle, have been used for drinking alcoholic beverages from agave as far back as the 4th century AD. Wow. It's, uh, I mean, the 4th century BC, actually. BC, yes. This is actually a very old vessel, and at the same time, if you look at the shape of it, this is a surprisingly functional vessel by the modern criteria. It's one of the the same shape, the same bottom, pretty much like one of the two main nosing glasses of today, the other, the tulip snifter, in this case the stemless tulip snifter, and the other being the balloon snifter. So, you have a fascinating combination, from my perspective, of legacy and functionality with, uh, within this drinking vessel, and at the same time all this very basic, very hard to find connection of the legacy of the spirit and uh, the drinking vessel. In this case, the Gauss spirits and the drinking vessel. So, I think it's uh, interesting uh, possibility to be used to try to be, how shall I put it, to be used to recreate a modern drinking vessel for the Gauss spirits. I, I agree. Um, I, I know that uh... Having done uh, taste testing with, with the, the, and we call these jarritos. This is, I, I love number one that we're calling it something in Spanish that, that is really a, an easy word to pronounce as opposed to some of the tequila brands that we've been talking about, like El Serpiente Emplumada. You know, <laughs> that's a long, that's a long word. It's a mouthful for somebody who can't pronounce it. But when you, when you see these, the, I think the elegance, is in the simplicity, in in my opinion. Uh, again, this is all based on my opinion anyway. Um, but I agree with you that that I think that it's time for, um, you know, there was a time, and we were talking about this off camera. There was a time when 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 the Riedel glass was was uh, developed to elevate the image of tequila, and you know, from a from a shot. To to a, an elegant sipper and and now it it's it succeeded it has it has I, I you know in my opinion it's it's run its course it has succeeded and now because of the the craft um, the the what's driving the market now is craft anything um, I I think now it it, it the it, the time has come for tequila to claim its heritage as well as its elegance. And I agree with you. I think I think there's nothing more elegant than a, sim, a, a simplistic design that that is exclusively for agave spirits. And it would be really neat one day if it was possible 
to look at a vessel like this and go, oh, hey, that's a tequila glass. You know, because there are people who still mistake these as wine glasses or champagne glasses. As a matter of fact, um, these tend to be very expensive uh, even now uh, in bulk that it just becomes cheaper to buy champagne glasses to do something similar. And none of them have, you know, a lot of them have, will have a much thicker uh, glass and heavier base, which I think, I think you explain to me, Romeo, because I believe that the, the thicker the glass, the, the more incongruent, uh, the more incongruence exists between nosing and tasting. Do, do I make, do, does that make sense? You know, in other words, if the glass is too thick, I can, it's great for nosing. I mean, I, I can use an example, and I don't have it with me, the Stossel nosing glass. You see it a lot at, in bourbon tastings and whiskey tastings for whiskeys and bourbons in the United States. You see, and they're beautiful glasses. They do exactly what they're supposed to do. They're great for nosing. But to me, there was a disappointment that the nose and the, and the intake, the, the, the flavor profiles weren't the same. There was an incongruence there, in, in my opinion. And yet, I wasn't getting that with, with, with these. Everything, there was a consistency between nosing and, and, and tasting. Is that, is that the case? Is that, is, or is nosing everything and am I just talking out of the side of my mouth? No, no, no. Generally, I agree with you, Mike. Generally, the thinner the glass, the thinner the, thinner the glass wall, the vessel, the less distraction you can get in your mouth from the crystal and you can focus better in the characteristic of the spirit itself. The first prototype actually comes slightly thicker. We, we were looking to make them thinner and with the second prototypes that you got, the walls are thinner. Pretty much the standard 1.1 millimeters. The same thickness like the Glencairn glass actually. Yes. Yes. Uh, so it was, uh, I like to climb some speci special design but it was a mistake. No, no mistake, just uh, production detail that wasn't as well controlled. Uh, about the new glassware, I believe in the same way how the tequila is evolved these days, especially in the way how it's evolved, you can see a tremendous changes in terms of popularity, sophistication, complexity of the tequila. We will see more and more new glasses come just to offer pretty much what we saw in the world of the whisky. You have the high malt whisky glass, the low malt, you have single malt, you have many other glasses. So. As far as the spirit become more popular, you will have a different taste, is different, different options of glassware. The glass that we work now is, I think, one of the many new options that will come in the market. Well, you know, the, you were nice enough early on in our, in our conversations, which was like a late 2016, you were really nice enough to send us a, a couple of these, these Berm, Berm, Luigi Bormioli, which I mentioned in, in uh, one of our, our write-ups. To me, here's the funny thing. During the time that you sent this glass to me, these glasses to myself and to Lisa, Lisa Peach, our, our CMO, um, we were in the middle of, of doing our Brands of Promise uh, uh, tastings. And you, some of you people who follow us, you've been see, you saw our videos, you saw my, our tables just full of tequila, 
for different categories. We were tasting Blancos, we were in it. And I have, and I'll be honest, I have a bunch of Riedels. I do. I even have some in storage I haven't been able to bring back with me yet. But um, so as, you know, for practical purposes, I was tasting a lot of these in, in Riedels. But the interesting thing was when, when I was, when there was a tie for me, when, when there was a, a conflict between one brand and another brand's Blanco or Repo, whatever the category was, I, I went to this one. And it would it would clarify, it would clarify it for me as to which one was better, and and I noticed you know this is a, a very expensive piece I don't know if anybody can see this it's it's beautifully etched this is the the pepito etching that I'm going to ask you about in a second, um, but the glass, the, this being and I didn't even know who the manufacturer was until you told me. If this is a Italian glass, tell me tell me a little bit the, the the properties of this glass and what makes it so special. I thought it was not only the I thought it was the, the thinness of the glass and yet it's very sturdy. It's not I'm not afraid of holding it. You know what I mean? It's a it's very firm, not like a some people who handle Riedels, we're even afraid to be washing these by hand, you know. So tell me tell me some of the qualities. What makes this such a great glass? For, for what it is. I think it's a very well designed glass to start with. The thickness of the wall is pretty much the same like the Glencrete glass and the second sample of the Carito Turnbull that we have. It's uh, about 1.1 millimeters, so the thickness is pretty much the same. But I think it's a very, very well designed glass. The Luigi Borgnoni have their center for designing a glass. They pay a lot of attention on that. And I believe they collaborate with uh, very respected Italian center for design of glasses and uh, it's named Center for Sensorial Research in Brescia in Italy. So they did a real, real fine job. As you say, the stem is thin, but it's not weak. It's uh, elegant, sleek glass. It works well. They call it Universal Spirit Snifter. I just realized few years ago that it works well with tequila and mezcal, actually, pretty well. It does. Uh, price it, it's uh, not a specially designed glass for a guy speak, but worked pretty well with that. What actually makes it special, from my perspective in this case, is the engraving, the pepita engraving. Yes. Uh, I mentioned about the importance of this inner connection between the legacy of the glass and the spirit. There is another aspect of good quality glass, which I call the artisanal quality, that means, well, the, obviously the very same name implied. Right. How well is made the glass, who made it, how well is decorated. Uh, there is a very interesting, uh, well, the first glass in the America section was produced in Mexico in 1542. And uh, around this period, the mid-16th century in Mexico also started to evolve the first American technique for glass and crystal engraving, the pepita, or small seed technique. It's basically a real cutting technique, relatively simple technique. I'll show one example also from my side to see it, one of the new design that oh, Mr. Yeah. and I are working on. But uh, in the hands of skilled artisans, this technique can produce a pattern of exceptional beauty and delicacy. And I also found uh, that, oh, I was uh, surprised to find that uh, 
that the kilowatt and the skull share some interesting particulars. For example, both of them originated in the same place, Mexico, in the same period of time, uh, mid 16th century, and ever more important from the same process of mixture of the cultures. Uh, the technique of the pepita was invented somewhere in Central Europe, Germany or the Czech Republic, late 14th, perhaps 15th century. The Spaniard brought it to Mexico, but in Mexico it was changed, it was enriched with new pre-Columbian design until it evolved basically something very distinctly, distinctively Mexican. And uh, I think this is a nice combination, you know, adding this artisanal touch, artisanal beauty and elegance to, to the functionality of the drinking vessel. The, um, I remember you sending me uh, a link uh, from, uh, let's see, the, um, what is the name of the, the, the name of the tequila, uh, Casa Dragones. There are some bottles of Casa Dragones that are etched by this artisan that, that, you, that, um, uh, that he and his, his uh, associates produce and do on glassware. It's it's a fascinating video. I'm gonna I'm gonna include it uh, the link to that video when when we when we publish uh, your interview here at Open Bar, so that people can see what it takes to 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 work on. And and for those of you who have a bottle of Casa Dragones, the the Joven, it, it's a crystal decanter. It's it's made of a particular type of crystal. My question is, the what type of glass is this? Is, is, the, is the glass different? Uh, it's a similar category glass. It's a lead-free crystal. That means a crystal that is made without uh, the lead oxide. Uh, technically speaking, there is a similar category of uh, crystalware. Well, the bottle of the Casa Dragones. You know, in the past 15, 30, 20 years, uh, most of the production of the crystal is switching to lead-free crystal. By obvious reason, the lead is not uh, something so good for the health. So, right. The um, people. Yes. Will Will this glass be able to be decorated? Because yeah, definitely. So it will it will stand up to the to the type of etching and work workmanship that this is necessary. Perfectly well. Yes. Okay, yes. so between these two glasses, which which crystal is... Well, this is not crystal, this is glass, correct? Oh, this is actually a lead-free crystal. It's also produced a very high-quality lead-free crystal for about 200 years, long before Borgnoni started to make it. Good, because I, I, I want to make a distinction, because for those, of, for those of us who are, for lack of a better term, geeks, I used to be in the food business, okay, and I used to sell paper, food, and chemicals. I sold everything but booze, and people that follow me, they know that, that that's my background. I sold Libby glassware to restaurants. Libby is, is one of the oldest. You can buy a Libby glasses at Target, you know, at Walmart, and they make a particularly thick glass because it has to stand up to washing and rewashing and use and restaurant, you know, in uh, hospitality. So... The the this is a, what you're looking at is not a a Libby glass. You're not going to find this at a Walmart or a Target. Okay, your Stossel is 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 sold by a catalog, 
and you have to you have to have a Stossel um, representative, you know, who handles that territory to be able to find you'll be able to be able to find these glasses should they make their catalog. So that's why I wanted to make a, a distinction of the uh, this the simplicity. This is not just glass. It is it's crystal. It is it is yeah. a it is a a viable elegant tool that can be decorated. I mean, I can see a nice, you know, you could do something as elaborate as this with it. And and is there a reason why why this feels so sturdy though? Is it, it is it just simply craftsmanship or am I you know, I I know these are probably been mass produced. And I don't know if these are. I I you know, I, I know very little about the Bromioli glassware. In fact, I knew very little about glassware until I met you. So, you know, tell me, tell me what what makes something like this better than something like that. And and not to be, I'm not, I'm not trying to you know, uh, cast aspersions. I just want to know the quality difference. You know, why am I going to pay so much for this, and why am I going to pay so much for that? Besides the fact that this is Italian and this may be Austrian. I don't. Well, this is USA probably at this point. Oh, it's German, actually. It's German, yeah. okay. The Regalis Austrian company, but the Regalo Vertura glass is made in Germany. Okay. Uh, I think uh, the Regalo Vertura glass is a very elegant and very sleek glass. Oh, yeah. Coming the, in uh, the tequila business, I believe it delivered a kind of vision for the future of the tequila, for the sophistication, the cosmopolitanism, the elegance, the popularity, if you want to have the popularity, which come actually much more than was expected. So it's important part uh, of the development of the tequila. It's pretty functional glass. Just back then in the 2002, 2003, as we discussed uh, one time, uh, the Nyaku tequila simply wasn't very popular. If popular of all, and extra Nyaku didn't exist. Yeah. So, uh, the, the ideal glass actually is not bad glass, just it comes in other times when the tequila was on thing. Now, uh, in technical sense, the main difference between the Bormioli glass and the uh, tequila overture glass, if you grab them like that, Mike, mm -hmm. Pass your finger right here, where the stem is connected to the bowl of the glass. You will see a little bump with the Ridal glass, and you won't feel this bump with the Bormioli glass. Yeah, it, it's almost like welding. You know, sometimes you see a nice clean weld on a on a machine, and you see, you know, there's there's a lump right here. You can see it's a, a, a natural, like a perforation of some sort. You can feel it with your thumbnail, and it doesn't exist on this one. At all. The glass was made with a newer technology that is called pull out steam. That means you have one ball of molten crystal, and from this ball you pull everything the bowl, the stem, and the base of the glass. It's basically a little bit sturdier glass just because it's made from one piece of glass and not of uh, two or three separate pieces of the glass that uh, work together. Okay. But, uh, each of them, like anything else in life, have its own advantages and disadvantages. Is there an advantage to having a a, a balloon, uh, or I, I call, I, I don't know, a, um, uh, a, a slightly wider bottom as opposed to one that's just straight up and down like this? I, I, you know, 
I don't I call it a bell shape for lack of a better word and, and maybe my notes were incorrect because you know I, I look at the at the Glencairn and I, it looks like a bell I mean it, it kind of has that bell shape so is there is the, I know that I feel there's an advantage is there really an advantage by having a bell and maybe a shorter neck because this one this one you can see the real has a much longer neck than the Bermuda. it's a, it's a, it's a much longer glass as a matter of fact i don't know if you can see that but anyway and it sounds different too it, i mean is there a difference when you have a bell that you don't have to have so, as long a neck well when you have a bigger uh lower chamber of the bowl of the glass you have a little bit extra oxygenation surface to do a swiftly cut oxygenation of the spirit and in most of the cases at least it opens the spirit better and let it express more and faster of its uh, aromatic profile. But again, it depends on the spirit, depends on the personal preference. But in my opinion, the Bormion Universal Spirit Snifter is very versatile, very well designed glass. It's not perfect glass for anything, there is no such thing, but it's very well designed and very versatile glass. Well, like I said, it, it helped me come to a few decisions on, on, on my, uh, on who, who would get, you know, a gold medal versus a silver medal, you know, because, because the, the qualities were so close that I needed, I, I felt that I needed something a little bit more um, precise. You know, because because the quality of the teal is just the quality of the of the agave spirits in general. I think are improving so much. And this year, I don't know how we're going to do it because we have probably this year for our sipping off the cuff programs, we have the most agave spirits have been entered um, that we've ever had in 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 previous years. I mean, I'm really glad I have other tasters because I don't know how we're gonna we're gonna do it. It, it. And the quality is still there. It's not that this all the stuff is mass produced. It's just, you know, I, I, I it everybody's up in their game, and so we I, I think having judged in competitions before, I think judging competitions, which is what some of these brands are vying for you know they want that medal they want that gold the double platinum the silver they, they they pay money good money to to be in these competitions i think that a good competition glass levels playing fields in my opinion and i make that clear in my notes as well so i really appreciated having had having had the option of using this type of glass to make my decisions in our in our little tasting program here at Brands of Promise. Um, the other thing I was going to ask you is alcohol. A lot of times, depending on, on the spirit, there's a lot of alcohol um, that is evident. Sometimes in, uh, you'll hear a lot of complaints about people that open up bottles of tequila as soon as they get them home and there's a lot of alcohol and that's a complaint as if it were a, a bad processing or something. I know better. Um, would you say that a design like this, a, a, a balloon design or, or what was I calling it, a bell design, allows for the, for the non-intrusion of alcohol to, to make its appearance? 
or as you said, it, it's great for aerating. I mean, you know, the swirling, it's great. Does it does it seem does it seem to trap alcohol a little bit? I think with the Bornoli, uh, you will start to feel some burning at the nose from that and all going with uh, spirits above 50% ABV. Uh, it's, uh, but still is very versatile glass. The, the reason I ask is because, and I put this in my notes as well, having spoken to master distillers of tequila, they feel that the alcohol, what one smells is the ethanol or whatever, is a, is a vital element in tequila because it, it carries the aromas as well. And so muting those, that alcohol smell that people don't like. I mean, they, they, like you said, there's an alcohol burn, you know, and people will, and, and sometimes the, the average layman or the, um, the tequila fanatic or the tequila aficionado who's, who buys a lot of tequila, gets it home, opens it, has a lot of alcohol in it, you know, they may not at first glance learn that it needs to open up and bloom, that the alcohol is a natural thing. This is Texas here. You and I live in Texas, so you know that when you get a delivery of tequila, you're gonna, I'm going to let it sit at room temp for at least a day because I, I unpackage those things, and they're packed in styrofoam or anything insulated so that they don't break, but by the same token, they heat up the juice. So, of course, I'm going to get a lot of alcohol. If you put something, if you live in Las Vegas and you're watching us, I, I, I've talked to friends in Vegas who do tequila tastings, and there's a, the only way to carry tequila in Vegas on a summer day is on ice. There's just no other way, you know, if you're gonna, especially if you're gonna sample it. And we know that ice deadens some of the some of the nuances, the subtleties, the characteristics of a, of, a, of an agave spirit. So the reason I ask about the bell is it does this shape tend to um, diffuse the, the alcohol enough so that it, it doesn't intrude on your nosing process because there's no bell shape on, the, on a Riedel. And so if you're not careful at a higher ABV, you're gonna, you know, like you said, I'm gonna, I'm gonna light these nose hairs on fire, <laughs> you know, so. Uh you see, uh, in order to reduce the impact of the ethanol of the nose, you need to let some of the ethanol go, and you obviously will let go also some of the aromatics. The question is, I think, about the balance, how much ethanol, how much aromatics you want to let go. You cannot let some of the burning go without losing some of the aromatics. Again, this question of balance, how you will find that, that sometimes is the tricky part with any glass, how you will decide, design it. Yeah, I, I, like I say, after I always look for alcohol, and with a Riedel, for instance, we were we were taught to break it up in three levels, and the alcohol should be at the bottom, you know. And 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 the other thing that I, I, and a lot of people who have seen our shows, our tastings, they've seen me do it. You literally got to stick your nose right in it, and, uh, and I need yeah, you got to dig in, right, and. What amazed me with a glass like this or, or with the, the Stasso Jarrito is that it was much more agreeable like, a, like, a, like we were taught with the Glencairn. It, 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 the, the, 
you should hold a Glencairn from your chest or to your stomach, and it and the and the the aromas should come up to greet you. That's that's how that's how using this glass we were taught to use this glass, and this is very similar, it, especially if you're dealing with craft tequilas as we were, as I was, that that it was it was a it it made nosing and tasting so much easier than than really working for it you know because I, I really you have to really work for it to, to especially now if you're if you're if you're using it uh, drinking a tequila made it from a diffuser you know you're trying to find anything in in the tequila you know uh, we work somehow on this balance of the you know the ethanol burning and the proper expression of the aromatic profile. Um, I believe we get pretty lucky. Uh, I like to climb some, some super scientific design, but most this is kind of art approach, sensibilities and luck and moving a few basics too. Uh, I think this new Harito Tumblr actually is very similar to Glen Cayenne. Yes, this yeah. one. It expresses in similar way the aromatic profile, a little bit better perhaps uh, some of the floral notes that the Glencairn put some extra emphasis on the agave. And uh, the initial notes in the Perseverance is very similar, I believe, uh, a pretty comparable glass, just one. The Harito Tumblr, I, I hope, uh, or I like to think so. It's a little bit better rooted in the history of the agave spirits, of the legacy, of the you know the kind of particular drink where you sit for drinking this kind of spirits. I I agree. You know, again, these are just based on on opinions, but uh, uh, I uh, perhaps in the future, you know, we'll be able to handle more of these, uh, sent these out to some of our other tasters throughout the country, so we'll give them a chance to to play around with it. Um, I, I got Romeo's permission to uh, to publish my notes uh, on a future article for Tequila Aficionado uh, after I submit them to him, of course. Um, and that'll be kind of nice because people will get a chance to, to see. We did some comparison, you know, the feel of the Riedel versus the, the, the feel of the Glencairn and then finally how the Jarrito feels and, and operates and again, a lot of this is just it's based on experience and, and, and my opinion. Somebody's opinion could be completely different that they could say, you know, this is, this is the lousiest thing ever, you know. But I, I, I don't think so. I, I think, I, in my personal opinion, I think these are, this would be a, a, an excellent viable tool. It will be part of my toolkit when we, when we do our Brands of Promise um, uh, judging at the end of the year because uh, I think uh, uh, it'll be a, a, a very viable tool as well with uh, with this, with the, the Bermioli. Um, I think it's important if you're going to do this or, or even if you're just uh, an agave spirit fanatic that you have more than one tool in your tool chest, you know, because these are... I, people laugh at me, but I, this is the truth. This is my tool. This, these, are, these are my tools. And, and if somebody says to me, hey, I got a better drill, you know, or I got a better drill bit, I'm going to listen to them, you know, because they're the expert and they, and they know. Um, and hopefully somewhere before the end of the year, you know, we may 
find out what, what Stossel decides on, on the prototype. Uh, if they want to continue testing it or if it's something that, that they want to go forward with. I, you know, Romeo will keep us posted. Just personally, what drew you to tequila besides, you know, you studied there and you lived there and all that? What was there? Was it? Um, do you do you prefer blancos over añejos? Do you do you like reposados? Are you more traditional? You know, do you like the you know, do you like organic tequilas? What do you what do you gravitate to when you go out and you know, or when you have friends over or whatever? Mike, that's a very interesting question. For a long time, I drink uh, almost exclusively tequila blanco. I believe that the very same soul of the spirit, the agave, come back in the tequila blanco. But a couple of years ago, I was introduced to a very unique uh, organic tequila. It's a private production, it's not commercial tequila. It was aged in uncharted French oil barrel for over 30 years. Wow. Open for me a world of elegance, aroma, sophistication with a tequila that without losing the soul, the agave, the agave was there but was delicate, gentle, richer. So I changed a little bit my mind, honestly. I'm much more open to approach these days to the aged tequila sauce. But I still prefer the tequila blanc or the white tequila. Good. I, I agree with you. I think I think it's the uh, I think it's a good indicator of the rest of the line. I, I you know I've I've said it so many times that if you if you if the if you like the blanco then it's a really good indicator of how the rest of the line is going to progress. Um, and, and it's not always the indicator of quality, but it's but it sure is. Yeah, you know, I have not met one one. Uh, proud tequila producer or master distiller who will not put up his blanco against anyone else's. If he's proud of his tequila, he will he will more than happily put up a blanco next to another blanco first before before he shares his you know his añejos and reposados and that sort of thing. Um, when so, how did you wind up in Texas? I mean, again. The, the glassware from from archaeology to glassware was that was that like a natural progression or did you kind of fall into that or or how did that work? I guess I just read uh, way too much of the old J. Frank Doggy stories of all these pictures of the old Mexico and the old Texas, and I find it. Uh, a place where I feel very comfortable. I try to live in other places, but I never feel uh, in the same way in home as in Texas. And this is not just empty, beautiful words. Actually, there is a old joke of Sacha Guitry, a famous French comic, that to be Parisian, you don't need to be uh, born in Paris. You just need to be reborn there. I guess Texas have pretty much plenty of the personality to to feel that you can be Texas if you Texan if you are capable <laughs> born here. <laughs> but I like also the mixture of the old Mexico and the old Texas and the United States here. I I find it a very nice place actually. Good deal. So um, after you've left your studies and and 
were you a professor? Are you, are, did you teach archaeology or were you really in... Yeah, I think you mentioned earlier you were involved in some, some archaeological digs. You really were... You were in there in the trenches, right? Well, I didn't really teach in the States, except I taught Spanish for one semester in a college. But I was a business scholar for several years in the University of Texas at Austin. Okay. And uh, I had some things go that I, I may or may not be able to return, but I may give a try again. We'll see how things are going. Well, yeah. <laughs> I... You know, if this if this is an indicator of what's what's next, uh, it'll be really exciting. I, I think I think that we're on the, the 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 precipice of something really exciting in in tequila in in for the craft spirits that that are that are that are uh, craft agave spirits that are coming up. What um, you know, you and I mentioned I, I talked with you earlier before we were on camera about how mezcal doesn't have a a uh, an official glass like 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 the Riedel does, um, but you can pretty much serve mezcal out of your shoe, and and all it will do is add another extra layer of complexity without changing a flavor profile. Um, it, what do you see? Uh, uh, do you see the uh, a glass like this being versatile for for both? Tequilas and agave spirits, or or have you had a lot of mezcals too? I know you have a lot of tequilas at a higher ABVs, but have have you had enough mezcals to 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 play and around with? I did, and I tested very recently and very extensively with a friend of mine, Dallas. I I was appreciate his opinion. Uh, to start with, the tequila is a kind of mezcal. Uh, yeah. uh, the mezcals made from different agaves that the blue Weber agave usually are. A little bit more intense and more aromatic with some more smokiness. But uh, there is not, again, there is enough difference, but speaking in generic terms, there is not so much difference really. But I was very surprised at how well this glass worked with Pescals, you know, Pescals with higher ABV. I was truly surprised that, again, the Jalito is. Uh, very deeply connected with the mezcal, perhaps not so much with the tequila, but with the mezcal. If you go to rural Oaxaca, you will find a lot of these jaritos still use it to drink mezcal. And it's, in the colonial period, you know, you have nearly five centuries of use of these drinking vessels for mezcal. So, a similar shape of the vessel, you know, the handle, the presence or the absence of the handle is mostly a detail. But the shape of the vessel is pretty much, you know, good for mezcal too. Mm -hmm. um, Romeo's Glassware will be going on tour with us on our Wild Wild West tour. I, 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 I'm really anxious to, um, to expose people to, to this, what could be a new glassware for tequila and mezcal. Um, what would you like people to know about these prototypes? What is it, if there was one thing that you wanted to, one point that you wanted to get across to people who were, who were merging or migrating from one type of glass to this, what would you do, what would you tell them? I share my thought, my personal thought and uh, hopes when we were working in this glass that uh, we were looking to combine 
a old and remarkable legacy and thinking as of Paragava spirits with modern functionality, uh, I will be very curious to learn after your tour how much of that we accomplished by the reference of the tequila and the scallopish and others. Uh, me too. You know, and I think that's the purpose of these tours anyway, is, you know, we, we just want to spread the love, uh, whether it's a, a brand you've never heard of or one that's not available in your state. We, you know, the, the, where the magic happens for us on our tours is when we share. And, and that's really our bottom line. So I want to make sure that I'm able to share at least, if all I have time for is one element, I want to be able to, to, to make sure that I get that point across and, that, and coming from you, you know, I want to make sure that you instruct me properly on, on that. Um, we've, we've come to the end of open bar with Romeo, but uh, I, want, um, I want to make sure that we mention your website. It's Chisholm Trail Craft Glass, glasses, right, dot com. Okay. Um, we'll make sure that the link is available. Uh, you'll see it at, um, uh, on, on the text uh, at when we publish the, this, uh, uh, this interview. Uh, was there something you wanted to find out from us, Romeo? Was there something that you wanted to or, or, or share with, with uh, the audience that, that has stuck around with us for, for, for glassware? <laughs> Well, just uh, the personal perspective that in the same way how the agave spirits are, are unique for Mexico, they have that legacy, enough quality of their own to, to try to look to introduce more uh, unique uh, drinking vessels, unique in the same way how the agave spirits are unique for Mexico. I mean, connected with these old legacies of the drinking vessels for agave spirits in, in the market, you know, I, I believe there is so much variety of agave spirits today with so deep and complex aromatic profile that this is just a natural way to go. Actually, just to give you an example, another world famous spirit, uh, the whiskey, display about 400 different aromas, in difference the tequila, and the agave spirits in general display up to 600. So there is a lot that a glass with a good nosing quality and a good aesthetic, a good functionality can offer uh, in order to, to have a richer, deeper sensorial experience with the chosen agave spirits. Did you, did you yourself, I'm sure you probably have, have you taste, tasted these um, with añejos and reposados? Did you go through the whole spectrum or uh, just blancos? Yes, yes. What did, what did you think of the differences when you did, repos, when you did blancos versus reposados versus añejos? Did was there something that struck you about 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 the the the, the quality of, of the jarrito that was something that surprised you? In other words, because I was constantly surprised. I I I made mention in my notes that that tasting uh, tequila out of this jarrito versus what we're used to tasting, and not not just exclusively Glencairn, but more more toward the real. That it was like it was like it was like watching television in HD. You know, our computers shoot in HD. You're watching us in, in high def. So I really, it, there, was, there was stuff that was coming to me that normally I got to dig for. You know, I got I to gotta find, I got to work for. And was there something in the añejos and reposados and maybe the extra añejos that you found was, was a surprise to you that, wow, you know, was it an eye opener for you? 
I mostly tested it again the the Glenn Kane glass because uh, it's the glass that very often is used in the United States for professional testing of the killer lately in the skull. What I found very surprising and I was doubting in the beginning, it's my imagination or it's real, is they have a similar degree of focusing, sharpness, complexity, but I like the Heritage Tumblr in the sense that it's expressing some floral elements with uh, the Posado Anejo and Extra Anejo slightly better uh, than the Glencairn. Glencairn puts some extra focus in the agave. The Heritage expresses very well the agave but also express some secondary and tertiary aromas. In my opinion, uh, with a little bit extra focus than the Glencairn. Yeah, I... Uh... Like I said, there were uh, some surprises to me that, um, and, and I'll I'll just share it really briefly with you that there, there was one particular tequila that I I la we tasted last night. As a matter of fact, using using the I used the smaller Harito, believe it or not, and I got wet cement, and I haven't smelled wet cement in a tequila in a long time, and it was just one of those in a pass through that went, you know. It was like a shudder. It was really exciting to me, you know, because normally when I get when we get these new tequilas for our show, if I have time, I will, I will taste them, and and primarily I'll taste them in a in a riedel, and and I'm very rarely ever surprised. And I'm not now that I have a variety of glassware to choose from, I've been using more the Glencairn, and 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 lately, just in the last you know couple of weeks, these. And I am constantly surprised. I, I I made mention in my notes also that I thought that the, the I got sweeter notes on the añejo and reposado, and and I I just want to make sure I'm on the right page and I'm not imagining all this stuff. I get the same sweeter notes too. Yes. Yeah. Yes. See, I I'm not totally nose blind, <laughs> but I'm I'm Romeo. I'm so glad that we that we had a chance to meet. I've actually met you in person uh, briefly when David Sura was out here in May. Um, I think I think you're looking at the, at the next. For those of you who have watched watch all our shows, this is the next tool for your toolkit right here. I'm telling you, Harito J A R R I T O. Really easy to remember. Um, Romeo, thank you, man. I appreciate you, you, you know, for coming on uh, on the show and for being with us on Open Bar and and you know, especially on a hot day like today. This is like the mid July when you people who are watching the show it could be it could be August, but it's hot. It's hotter than hell in mid July. <laughs> so, um, anything else that, that you'd like to share with our audience before we sign off? Not think about it, Mike. Uh, my utmost thanks for your kindness and the interest in this project. Hey, thank you for for reaching out, for uh, you know, for for reaching out and and opening up our eyes. I I, I think I think we're onto something. And, and as we said, I I think we're we're heading to a, a new uh, uh, emergence and a natural progression from what we what we've had to work with since 2001 until now 17 18 years later you know now with with the, the the explosion of the craft segment of the market i think i think this is this is where it's headed real simple i'm mike morales here in san antonio you have been watching open bar with romeo rustoff of chisholm trail craft glasses in austin texas um 
watch us uh, you know uh, again shortly we'll we'll be back with another open bar and other guests but thanks for sticking around and as we like to say on tequila aficionado sip wisely <laughs>